I want to jump straight into the, the message this morning as we finish a series um, and get into this message. So I want to read to you from um, the Apostle Peter's letter, his first letter. In chapter 2, verse 4, he says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Peter is using language that was really familiar and common in his day. Not so common today, but, but don't worry, you're going to be able to understand it. Um, we'll be able to apply this language pretty easily to us today. Peter is writing to Christians, to people who are followers of Jesus. But even if you're visiting today or you're not sure where you're at with Jesus, you'll be able to understand what he's saying. The Christian faith rests entirely on Jesus, the person of Jesus and what he said and what he did. And in a building that's made of stones, the cornerstone, the one that they place first, is the squarest and the strongest stone. And so they place that first and all of the other stones in the building rest on the cornerstone. For, for us, it'd be like foundations, but, but the image is even better if you think about a stone building. And Jesus, in the Christian faith, is the cornerstone. Even though in his life on earth, he was rejected by most people, he was chosen by God for great honor. And he rose from the dead and he ascended to heaven as evidence of that choosing from God. And, and so you, each of you that have accepted Jesus as the son of God, have committed your life to following him, you are being placed as a living stone on that cornerstone of Jesus. With Jesus as the cornerstone, each Christian is placed as a living stone in the structure of the house, the spiritual temple that God's building. And then and Peter just switches metaphors on the fly. And he says, you're not just a living stone, you're also a holy priest. And so priests, traditionally, they mediate. They're the middleman between humanity and God. Priests sit in that middle space. But he says, Jesus now is our mediator, the only mediator that we, we need. And so we now, all of us, are the priests, not as mediators, but priests who serve God, offer sacrifices with our lives and what we do in ways that please him. And so Peter says just a couple of lines later in verse 9, he says, You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. What Peter's saying is this is how God sees you. This is how God sees his church. We are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And because of this identity, because this is who we are, we have important work to do. We have the important work of showing other people the goodness of God, the God who called us out of darkness into his glorious light and how he wants to do the same for them as well. And Peter wrote this to people who didn't see themselves that way. He wrote it to people who didn't think of themselves like that and certainly didn't feel like they were holy or royal or, or anything precious or special. He wrote it to people who were under a lot of pressure. 
people who were being persecuted for their faith. And so their identity had been fractured and, and damaged. But Peter wrote to remind them of who they are and what God has saved them for. Not just what he saved them from, but what he has saved them for. And that's why you're here in church today as well. Not just here for support as you cope with life. Not just here for inspiration about how amazing God is. Not just here for coffee and a cupcake to find out whether the picnic's on or not. Not just here for the music, not just here to see your friends. You are here today because you and I are God's royal priests. We are his holy nation. We, you and I, are God's very own possession. And we are here to show people how good God is. And, and we need reminding of this. Because we, we forget and we slip and our identity gets shaken and sometimes it completely disappears and we feel lost again. And the history of our movement, the, the movement our church is part of, the restoration movement, is all about restoring ourselves as individuals and restoring our church back to God's vision of who we are, back to the way that God sees us and the way God intended us to be when Jesus launched the church. Back to how he sees us and what he wants for us. So you might remember if you were here last week or you heard Laura's message last week that there's a famous document in our history called The Last Will and Testament of the Springfield Presbytery. So, so one of our main founders, Barton Stone, and the others who were, were with him in this presbytery, this organized structure within their denomination, the group of churches was called the presbytery, they decided that this structure was actually stopping unity and it was stopping their ability to evangelize, to present Jesus and share Jesus to the world. And so they wrote this last will and testament to end the organization to end the presbytery. That's what the document is. It's saying, hey, we're going to kill this thing, this, this structure, this organization, and here's why, and here's what we want for the future of our churches. So they brought an end to the structure so that the living churches could thrive. And here's one of the lines from the last will and testament. We will, which is, is the way you write wills. This is what we want. We will that each particular church as a body actuated by the same spirit, never henceforth, this is the 1800s, never henceforth delegate her right of government to any man or set of men, whatever. Now, there's no comma before whatever, so I don't think they meant whatever. I think they meant like never, ever, no matter who the men or set of men or, or man are, we don't want to delegate our right of authority to them or our government to anyone else ever again. Now, this um, caution, like this next couple of minutes could be boring to you, um, but it's important. It's shaped who we are as a church, and we'll get to some more interesting stuff later, but it is important. This important document didn't just shape that Springfield Presbytery and those churches who were part of it. It's also shaped how we as a church operate today. So each church in our movement, in Churches of Christ, as we're known in Australia and in Queensland, we are each autonomous or independent under the authority of Christ himself, which means that the, the movement, the denomination, don't, can't dictate to us. 
They don't tell us who our pastors are going to be or what we've got to do or what songs we've got to sing or what, what programs or, or things that we have to do. We are aut- autonomous as an, a congregation under the authority of Christ. And so we and all other churches in our movement, part of the restoration movement, are independent and self-determining. We make our own decisions before God. But that also means that we aren't propped up by financially our wider movement. And so as a church, the the way that we operate financially is almost everything that we receive and that we have as a church financially comes from us, from you and I, and our giving as God leads us to. But we do have relationship with other individual churches of Christ. There aren't many in far north Queensland, but there are some. And we express unity with them in relationship. And when it comes then to our state body or our national body of churches of Christ, we have some mutual responsibilities, like all relationships do. So as we've heard in this series, Churches of Christ in Queensland is a huge organisation. There's like 4,000 employees or something in the care side of things, not in the church side of things. And so, you know, they run aged care and they um, look after children and do all sorts of different things, really on behalf of the churches to do even better and do more of what the individual churches couldn't do. But also the state body helps us and helps the other churches to do what we do better and more effectively. So they coordinate things like our insurance. They look after things like child safety. They help us with standards of governance and how we should be operating. And even though we're independent and we're autonomous, and we could just say, no, get get lost, we don't want anything to do with you, we choose to engage in our mutual responsibilities because of the relationship in these important areas. Now, churches all over the world and in Australia, have had terrible abuses happen because of what leaders have done in churches. Everywhere, regardless of the structure that they have, this this has happened. And it's been a big realisation and an important learning to hear those stories and to make changes so that that does not happen in the future. But it's often been worse in independent churches who don't have accountability or oversight because they are just doing their own thing without awareness or without um, instruction from others. And so the beauty of our movement is that even in our independence, we still have some responsibilities to our state body, and particularly when it comes to child safety, and they help us do ministry in, in more effective and in safer ways. So decisions that affect all of our churches across our state are rightly made by Churches of Christ in Queensland. And because of our mutual responsibilities, we take their lead. But decisions that affect us, our local church, are made by our pastoral leaders or under their authority by our staff team. And and this all comes from the precedent of this document, from that spirit of saying, hey, we don't want to have this hierarchical structure where we just do what the bishop says or what the pope says or, or whatever. We want to function as one body, as living stones under the authority of Christ or on the foundation of Christ. And I I don't have a Bible verse for you about this, but this is the pattern that we seem to find in the New Testament when churches were planted, is that they were planted as independent, autonomous congregations, but with relationship with each other. You and I are living stones in God's house leaning on the authority of Jesus Christ. And and we, each of us, have the Holy Spirit who leads us, who guides us, who helps us make decisions and follow his leadership. 
but we also have mutual responsibilities to each other. And so in recent years, one of the changes has been everyone who serves in the life of our church has to undergo training online before they're able to serve in any particular way. And for those of you who are my age or older, you go, this is ridiculous. This is not how it used to be. This is, this is crazy. I can't believe I have to do this. I've been doing this for X number of years. Um, but this is part of our mutual responsibilities to each other and also to our wider movement. This is something they ask of us and say, hey, this is important for a whole bunch of reasons. And so as part of Churches of Christ, this is something that we need to do. And, and most of us have come to realize that it's valuable. It's helpful. And it's part of our mutual responsibility to each other and to our wider movement. Boring stuff over, I promise. Um, During this series, we've been hearing from a bunch of people who have been part of Churches of Christ for a long time or part of the restoration movement for a long time. And Carol Duncan, who's on the screen, is the last person that I wanted you to hear from. She's been part of our church the longest of anyone. Now, Carol is the one uh, on that side in the apron and also on that side in the uh, purple dress. And Gay Andrew Jack is her friend with her. Now, Carol does not enjoy public speaking, and I didn't want to force her to do that. But I asked her to answer some questions and share a bit of her story, and I'm going to read it for you. Um, She's here. Let's see if I get it right. Uh, And you can enjoy those photos on the screen as I tell you what Carol said. First of all, I asked her about these photos, which are part of a fundraising event that her and Gay put together. Uh, So Carol said, I first heard of Catherine Hamlin and this book, The Hospital by the River, when I was a teenager living in Bunbury in Western Australia. And Catherine Hamlin came and gave a talk explaining her work. And then many years later in 2016, I saw that her organization had a fundraising effort as a high tea for Hamlin. Now, Hamlin um, is a fistula hospital in Ethiopia, and so they help women with childbirth issues and, and uh, problems. And so um, Carol says, being a social person, I thought, well, I could, I could do a high tea for Hamlin. So together with Gay, they began in 2016, and they raised about $800 at their first high tea for Hamlin. That's that photo on your left. Um, they have now had seven high teas. The photo on your right is from last year, but they held one yesterday, a high tea for Hamlin, and raised $1,720 at their event yesterday, which is awesome. Now, Carol said, this is such a great cause. We don't hear about some of the childbirth problems that are experienced by women in other countries like Ethiopia, and so Gay and I are very happy to be involved in helping them. I asked Carol when she was first introduced to Churches of Christ and what she's appreciated about our movement over the years. She said, I was born into a Church of Christ family in Bunbury, in WA. My mum was involved in women's work and my dad was a church treasurer. My grandparents were also members, as was an auntie and uncle. So I guess it was in my blood, so to speak. I attended Sunday school and church every week. And then in the late 1950s, I learned to play an old-fashioned organ complete with pumping pedals. And most of you thought pumping pedals was for bicycles. First for organs. I came to accept Jesus as my saviour and was baptised at one of the tent missions that Laura, Nolene and Bill spoke about last week. This one was in 1957 with Jack Bond, who was a well-known evangelist. When I was young, I probably didn't appreciate the family connections that Churches of Christ have. But when I left home and lived in Adelaide for two years and then New Zealand for six months, I joined up with Churches of Christ and was very grateful for the family I found there, being so far from home. I also appreciated the simple but biblical doctrines that I found throughout Churches of Christ. 
Now, finally, I asked Carol about the different roles she's had over the years. And she said, well, when I came to Cairns in 1970, Doug Willis, we heard from Doug's son, Peter, on video a couple of weeks ago. Doug asked if I would come and play the piano for a small group of Church of Christ Christians who were meeting at Earlville. So this I did and played the piano and keyboard for the next 30 years. I was involved as a worship leader. I organized and taught two Sunday schools, one in Yorkies Knob and the other in Red Lynch. I was on the church board, holding roles of secretary and treasurer. I also organized the morning tea and cleaning rosters until the mid-2000s. And my mum and I used to prepare the communion cups and bread each Sunday morning. I also helped organize ladies' Christmas functions, which were a lot of fun. Finally, Carol said, from a small group of around 10 worshippers in a small hall, to see the lakes as it is today is such a blessing, and I'm so grateful to have been a part of that. Carol, thank you for sharing with us and for your service. Would you encourage her? That's wonderful. Would you pause and and give thanks to God for Carol? And as we do that as well, I want to pray um, for the the work that Carol and Gay have been supporting for many years. Um, Just... Recently, the last couple of days in Ethiopia, a state of emergency has been declared. There's fighting um, near the Addis Ababa uh, Fistula Hospital where their work is. So let's pray, not just giving thanks for Carol, but also for that work that's so near to her heart. Father, first of all, we thank you that you place each of us as living stones in your house. And today we give thanks for Carol, who has been part of this expression of your house for so many years, faithfully serving you and serving each other. And so we give thanks for her, uh, for the way you led her to yourself at that tent mission and the way you gifted her and enabled her to serve for so many years. And Father, for um, this work of, of um, bringing healing and hope to women in Ethiopia, And Father, we pray for protection for them today, for the staff, for the patients at that hospital. We pray for the nation of Ethiopia. Lord, would you bring healing and hope and peace? We ask in your name. Amen. In the passage that we began with, Peter talked about every person in the church as a priest And in church history, this is often called the priesthood of all believers. So all believers are priests. And in the Restoration Movement, a couple of hundred years ago, this became really important for us, but we called it something different. We said that every member is a minister. Because what was happening in other churches around them is that the priest or the minister or the pastor, they were still the ones who were mediating between God and the church. They were the only ones who could do certain jobs, like serve communion. The priest was the one who was supposed to be closest to God, and the priest was authorized and structured to be the pinnacle of the church. But because of passages like 1 Peter that we read, the Restoration Movement said that that, that's not what we find in the New Testament. That's not what Jesus came to do. We find that all believers are priests and every member is a minister. So the senior minister, or in our our language, the lead pastor, is not the only minister of the church and, and even more importantly, is not the most important minister of the church. Every member... Every person who's a follower of Jesus and considers themselves part of our church is a minister. This is a big, important feature of who we are as a church, that all people can participate in every part of church life. 
So in our church, you don't need qualifications to baptize someone or to lead communion, for example. In our church, men and women are equal. So their roles in life as women or as men, roles in life and in the church, come down to giftedness and character and calling, but aren't determined by gender or by title. And in the history of the restoration movement, still in some parts today, they, they were different from the way that we are. They said, we, we will never ever want to have a paid pastor or a paid priest who has a role of authority in the church. But over time, as churches grew and churches like our grew, we realized, ours grew, we realized that having leadership roles and having some local structure was actually helpful because the minister helped all of the members be ministers. So, so here's, here's the idea to kind of complicate all the words starting with M. Having a minister doesn't stop the members being ministers. The role of having a minister is to help the members be ministers. And this is what we find when the Apostle Paul wrote in, to the Ephesians in chapter 4. What he said was, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. But their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church the body of Christ. So the responsibility of leaders in the church is to equip all of us to do God's work and all of us to build up the church, the body of Christ. Because we're working towards unity and we're working towards maturity, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. And we do that together, one by one and in community, as a community, as a living spiritual temple. So myself as lead pastor... Our staff team of pastors and coordinators and other roles, our pastoral leaders as the elders and governance team of our church, we don't exist to do all the ministry. We exist to help you and help each other, the whole church, every member to be the ministers. We have different roles. You and I have different roles and functions within the church, but we are all equal in value. Equal in God's eyes and equal in each other's eyes. And the parts that we play are equally important. Now, to finish this whole series and finish today, I want to talk about Lego. And not just talk about Lego, I want to show you some Lego. Let me uh, get some that I prepared earlier. This is the Barbie dream house. I didn't make it. But I could have. Now, when you build Lego, when you build this Barbie dream house, every piece is important. There are pieces in this Barbie dream house that you will never see. They're hidden inside the structure. But without those pieces, the dream house would not be able to stay standing. And then there are obviously all the pieces that you see. And you go, well, like... Why in the world? What is this? Like a Barbie dream house doesn't really need an umbrella. But, but without this umbrella, for example, or the beautiful gold gates on the front or the, the slide that goes down, this house wouldn't be as beautiful or as functional as it is. Every piece in every Lego construction is equally important. They have different roles. They look different. They're different colors. They're shaped different. They, they attach differently to each other. But every piece is important. And some of them are your favorite. And some of them you don't really care about and never think about after you put them in. But every single brick is important. And when God builds a spiritual temple, every living stone is important. Every role is important. 
And God wants to build you as a living stone into his spiritual temple that we call the Lakes Church. He wants to help you as a living brick take your place on his living foundation of Jesus Christ and to be part of what he is doing here. The, the church is his idea. The, the church, the gathering of followers of Jesus together was his idea. It's his dream. And you taking your place in it is a big part of why God created you and called you out of darkness into his glorious light. You might look around the room this morning or, or if you're watching online, think about what you're seeing on the screen and just think that you know, my, my skills aren't relevant. What I have to offer isn't important or needed. It might look like there are no gaps, that everything is streamlined and perfect. Well, that's unfortunately so far, or fortunately so far from the truth. What I wanted to do today, this is best practice for a message like this, is pick one ministry area in our church, the one in the most need, the one with the biggest gaps, the one that is desperate to have others join the team to help make that ministry possible. That would be the best thing for me to do, just to present one simple, clear opportunity. And there'll be a few people here today who go, I'm ready to take my place and and have a go. And we're able to help you find a spot in that ministry area. But I literally can't. And it's not because I just can't choose between the two or three, like which one is most in need. It's because every single ministry area in our church would love to have someone else join them. Every single team that's working together goes, we have gaps and we need some more living stones in our ministry area. I need some more Lego bricks in my team to really be able to do what God has called us to do. There is need and there are gaps everywhere for who you are and who God has created you to be. So what I'd love for you to do is to just pause for a moment and think about the two questions that are going to be on the screen. And in a second, I'll give you a moment to pray and, and listen to what God has to say to you about that. But to think, what is my role right now as part of this church? I'm not just talking about jobs. Think about in terms of relationships. And that could be structured small groups or just the people that you particularly look out for, spend time with during the week. What is my role right now as part of this church in relationships? And then also in, in roles, in serving teams. And as you think about that, spend some time thanking God for that, for the part that I play in people's lives, in relationships, in our church family, for the opportunities I have to serve and, and use my gifts. Recognize the blessing you receive from the part you play and the blessing you give to others in the part you play. And ask God for the strength and the endurance and the help for the many, many ways that those relationships and those roles stretch you and take you out of your comfort zone and challenge you. And if, if as you think through that, you're feeling really settled today, you could take one of those serve booklets that are around the room or in a moment we'll link on screen and you could give thanks for the many other ways that other people are taking their part in our church. And the second thing I'd love for you to think about and we'll pray about in a moment is what role could I play in the next season of this church? Again, in relationships, is is there a person? Is there a group of people that I feel like God has put on my heart and I want to invest in those relationships? Or in serving, is there a particular ministry area? Maybe something I have to offer or I'm really not sure and so I just want to have an open conversation about where I could fit 
But consider opportunities that excite you or opportunities that challenge you and spend time asking God about that. So you can um, get all the information from the physical booklets from the link or if the QR code works for you on the screen. And you can have a look at the physical books that are on some of the seats around you and explore different areas that others are serving or maybe where you could serve, where you could express interest or find out more or take a step towards. But taking your place in God's house is so important because this is God's design for you and for us together. This is is his idea. This is his intention. This is his dream that we would each take our place as living stones in his house. So let's just pause for a minute in prayer. Let's stop that Barbie dream house from falling off into pieces. And just pause your reading or your scrolling for a minute. Before you go there, let's just, just stop for a sec and ask God to speak to us on those two questions. And so, Father, we want to invite your voice and your spirits prompting into our hearts and into our minds and our imaginations today. That first of all, you'd help us see the role we already have. How we are part of the web of relationships here in giving and receiving. And like we celebrated with Carol, the ways that she's served, Lord, I thank you also for the ways for each of us that we do already contribute and serve in practical ways. Help us remember and see those things. And God, I also invite you to speak to us about what the next season could look like. What relationships and friendships and church family could look like in the next season for us? And also what, what serving, what opportunity, what gap, what skill could I bring in the next season of our church? God, we thank you that for some of us, we already know. We already know what to celebrate and we know what's next. We're either either staying and pressing in or we're we're shifting and changing what we might want to do. And for others, we're we're not really sure. And we trust that you would lead us to a point of either clarity or at least courage to, to take a step and explore and try. Because sometimes figuring out is along the way. But we look forward to that, whether that is in this moment or in the coming days and weeks. We look forward, Lord, to you helping us find our place as part of your house here. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we sing together, I'd hate for you to admire this Barbie dream house and be thinking about Lego and not have something to take with you today to help you think about and find your place here as part of our church. And so on either side of the stage here on those tables with the tablecloths, I have trays of Lego, just random pieces of Lego. You can buy Lego by the kilo these days, all sorts of random pieces. And what I'd love for you to do in a moment when we're singing together, when everyone's standing, is just um, as, as you're free to move around, go to either side, one of those tables, and just choose one of those pieces of Lego and take it with you to remind you that you are valuable in God's eyes. 
And also to remind you that you have a place here as part of the house that God is building. So the, uh, the music team, the worship team are going to jump up and they're going to do that first on their way up here to the stage because they're going to lead us in singing. Um, but then I want to invite each of you as well, as we're all standing and singing to do that, just to go and grab any piece, whack it in your pocket or in your purse or your bag and take it home and put it somewhere to remind you that you are valuable in God's eyes, equal in value to everyone else here as part of our church. And God has a place for you to build you into his house here as the Lakes Church. Thanks, Matt and Abdil and Gertz, as we sing. Um, And I'm going to go take the tablecloth off of that one over there. And so as you stand, just feel free to move around and grab that as we sing. Uh, And these guys are going to lead us in song. Thank you.